<laughs> Maybe not this time. <laughs> but honestly, thank you, uh, Brother Jackson, and everybody that shared their testimonies as well. For that moment that you guys were speaking or singing, I did forget that I was nervous, but now that I'm up here, it's back. Um, so my legs feel like jelly, but honestly, like, it's just a huge blessing to be up here, to be entrusted, to be able to speak about the Word of God. And, you know, one blessing that I have to say that now that we're here that you'll see is that I, don't have, I have a tendency to not to preach for very long. So I just hope what I don't have in length that you guys have, a, that I give you guys the blessing and content through the Word of God. And so when I was thinking about what to speak about, Pastor Sam actually came up to me and was like, oh, really challenge the men and challenge their hearts. I was like, okay, that's a lot of pressure. How do, how do I challenge men that have, one, been more exposed to the Word of God, have had more experience reading the Word of God, and, and just know in general, have, a, have, a, have more of a knowledge of the Word of God compared to me? Compared to them, I'm like a fledgling. I'm like a tiny little bird that's just beginning their spiritual journey. But, you know, I had to think of a way or of a topic that was both timeless, that no matter what generation is reading the Word of God, they can apply it to their daily lives. And so the topic that I want to talk to you guys about is leadership. And the title of my message is, You Don't Need a Position, You Need Conviction. Now, to start things off, what is a leader to you guys? Well, we have a lot of examples of leaders in the Bible. We have um, Moses, we have Abraham. We have a bunch of different people that have done God's work and have led different people um, in the journey with Christ. But Google's definition of what a leader is, is someone who inspires passion, motivates their followers, and leads them as a group or organization. Now, what is a manager? Now, a manager could be someone that's like your boss, but, the, but their definition is the person responsible for controlling or administering parts of a function or of a group of people. Now, both sound very similar because both take lead of, of a group of people. However, there's two huge differences between just being a leader and being a manager. A leader, like I said, inspires people and inspires them to do the works and the goals of whatever their group is trying to do. A manager goes to the, I guess, micro level to control and to essentially dictate every little step of the process. So, of course, the ideal person is someone that can do both, manage and lead. And um, when we think about our leaders of the church, the first people that you probably think of are the pastors, the deacons, the officers of the board, or all those that are responsible for certain church activities. And as far as we know, those are probably the most upfront and, more, and most obvious roles of leadership, if you will. But leadership doesn't end there. You see, as Christians, all of us are leaders in our own capacity. And now, obviously, there's different debates, of course, with men and women of different leadership positions that they should be having. Like, I know we've, been, we've had discussions about should women be leading men during certain um, teachings, especially with our young professional group, or is it should be the men that be the one that takes that position regardless of who they're preaching to, that type of thing. But that is a, a concept that I won't go into because that will essentially deviate from my message today. And what I really want to focus on is how we can be Christian leaders as men, but you don't have that title attached to your name. How we can walk as a living day-to-day -day example to, and 
well, here are my different points to the different leadership roles that we can have, how we can be leaders of our family, how we can be leaders of our unsaved friends and colleagues, and how we can be leaders of our fellow brothers and sisters. And so we, before we go on, let's go to the word, uh, let's go to the God in prayer. Um, our Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity to be here and to fellowship with one another. We just thank you for um, working on our hearts to allow, to inspiring us to come together to be able to hear your word and to have this time together, Lord. I just pray that you use me as your vessel to give the message that you want me to give and that we may use whatever we may be able to learn on this day-to-day -day message. We give you all the praise and glory, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the first point to start off with um, is obviously is be leaders of your own family. And all of you <laughs> much have had that experience to be able to lead your own families in the ways that you found applicable. And it is our responsibilities to also be able to lead them not just in growing, helping them grow up in the modern world we have today, but in the most important aspect of exposing them and in leading them to, the, to God and to the word of God as well. And if we just take a look at, I have two verses that I want to speak about. So 1 Corinthians 11.3. But, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. And the second verse, which I'll, sorry, I'll give you time to turn to, it, uh, is Ephesians 5.22 to 23. Here it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, in pertaining to the word head, it's meant to have that full sense of headship and authority. It's pertaining to the responsibility to lead and matching accountability as the head. However, I want you to take that concept of being the head of the family and think about it as an example to your physical body. Your head contains your brain that also contains the signals that go to your nerves that help every other part of your body function. So if you don't have a functioning brain or have a functioning head, the rest of your body is unable to work. So the point is, how can you have a functioning family as the leader if you from the start aren't leading your family correctly? And how can a wife support a man such as in Ephesians 5, verse 22, how can a wife support the husband if the husband is still doing unjust things? Now, not saying anyone here is doing that, obviously, because you have all been very great examples of what it's like to be men and husbands and leaders of, the, um, leaders of your own family. But otherwise, this is just a reminder, reminder that sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes there are things that you don't know how to handle with your wife or even handle with your kids. But just know that like the conviction that you have is you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for God. And you're doing your best, the best that you can. In 1 Timothy 3.5, it says, For a man not know how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Now, being a leader in the church is a very huge responsibility. But if your actions aren't showing starting from your family, how can you necessarily be trusted to be able to lead God's family. Now, the most important thing to think about, though, is that we must be leaders by following not of our own examples, not of man's examples, 
but of Jesus's own leadership. And, and of course, the issue that we can probably run into is, for one, we all have different personalities. And so with different personalities, I want to challenge you to think about this. Whether you think yourself as an introvert or as a homebody or as an extrovert that is already out there speaking the word or going out or doing whatever, whether you are an introvert or extrovert, we all have the same responsibility to be the head of our families. And additionally, because we are the heads of our families, Christ is the head of us, and God the Father is the head of him. Now, don't get me wrong. It's normal to be nervous. Like right now, I'm very nervous. <laughs> but And it's, it's easy to be a little shy to be authoritative, depending on your personality. But just remember once again that it's not about you. It's about what you're doing for God. And in, in pertaining to leading children, which I think is probably, well, from my experience, I don't have children. But from seeing, I can imagine how much of a huge responsibility that is. In Proverbs 22, 6, it tells us to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And Ephesians 6, 4, it says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, with our children, we do have, with our children, with our children, we do have the responsibility to lead them correctly and lead them correctly to God. Now, I don't have any kids, like I said, but I want to bring this up as a message, to, as encouragement to you all, knowing that you guys are doing a great job with your kids. And if your kids are all grown up, you guys have already done a great job, and your kids are, a lot of them are already doing different ministries for the church. Now, being a leader even uh, pertains to those that don't have kids, like me. As a grown up, you're either part of your own house or you're part of another. And just because you're not a husband or a father doesn't mean you can't be a leader. For example, for me, I would probably say I've, my salvation compared to my parents who haven't heard the word of God, I'm the only one with the salvation in my family, from what I know at least. And being a Bible believer and a follower of Christ, they haven't had the opportunity to really hear God's true message. So in that sense, how can my dad or mom be leaders in a spiritual sense. The point is, they, they, they'll they struggle to do so. And honestly, as a kid growing up, we all stopped going to church. So in a sense, they don't have that spirituality there. But me, understanding God's word, having my salvation, I can be a leader to them in a spiritual sense. Although my dad is technically the head of the house, I can still show leadership based on not the name of my religion, but based on how I walk and my day-to-day -day daily life as a Christian. And I was always told that, you know, the way that you, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you are, is a great testimony of your faith and your faith to God and your salvation that you've been graced with. And so, although it's not going to be easy at times. And I know that sometimes you may feel shy or embarrassed, but I know for me, I definitely still do with my parents. That's why my, the, my biggest burden right now is having the courage to share the word of God with them. Just, but you know, at, at some point, there's going to need to take that turn, have the conviction in your heart to be like, you know what, like, just, just go for it. They're your, they're your family, they're your, they'll understand, they'll listen to you just because this is such an important aspect to your life. And it's a good lesson for 
going back to kids that are growing up, families that are start just that are going to be beginning, that as as men we need to take the forefront and take that front step to be able to lead them in fellowship with one another, to be able to have them exposed to the word of God so that they may then follow your footsteps in the correct way taught to us by Jesus. And so my next point already, point number two, is be leaders of your unsaved friends and colleagues. As I had mentioned in the last point, the way we live our lives now isn't going to be just observed by our brethren we see every day, but it's also going to be observed by those that we surround ourselves with outside of church. And we need to be an example for our unsaved friends or colleagues or even family members that have yet to hear the word of God. And I'm sure a lot of us probably have a lot of people that are unsaved. A lot of us have come from an old faith. A lot of us have just people that never took the time to read the word of God or even listen to it. And unfortunately, being where quote unquote religion stands nowadays, sometimes it's not easy to bring up the word of God in day-to-day conversation. That's why I think the, the, greatest exa- the greatest segue to that is being an example and leading in the way that you're portraying yourself as a saved child of God. Now, I know what you're thinking with um, exposing yourself to unsaved to unsaved people. In 2 Corinthians, Corinthians 6.14, it says, <laughs> it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Now, one thing that, from what I'm understanding from this, um, this passage, is it's not necessarily saying don't, don't um, associate yourselves with the unsaved and the unbelievers. I believe what it is saying is don't be giving in to the worldly things that they are doing. And in Romans 12, 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By combining both of these ideas, of the, these verses, we can lead our unsaved friends and colleagues to what is truly deemed as righteous unto God. And a great example of exposing to, to sinners, if you will, is in Mark 2, 15 to 17, which I, I won't read word for word, but it's where Jesus continues to dine with the sinners and has intentions to go to the unrighteous to bring them to repentance. We as individuals can have that opportunity to bring the word to them within our day-to-day lives. And I know for me, being that a lot of my friends are still unsaved, my my biggest blessing that I have is that I have friends that are open-minded. So what I mean is they ask me, oh, why do you not practice the Catholic um, sacraments anymore? Why don't you do this, do all these prayers and things like that? And at the end of the day, I'm giving them the comparisons of like, oh, because these certain things are unbiblical and this is what the Bible says. And this is why I believe it. And they understand it because they know for trade, I'm a financial analyst. A lot of what I do for work is based on, uh, f- based on facts and data. And so when I show the word of God, they're like, oh, like, you're right. Like, I don't, then I don't understand why we do all these uh, certain things or certain practices. Like their biggest one that um, my friend was questioning was about the whole praying to saints ideas or praying to like uh, Mary or instead of going straight to Jesus or straight to God, the Father. 
And I was just telling them how, like, in, in the Bible, like, especially with the commandments, it says not to have uh, idol worship or, or um, things like that. While praying to, I guess, a saint, praying is a form of worship. So technically, that's, like, against the commandments. And so when they heard something like that, they were like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. And I have this one friend that actually started then it made her want to see what the difference is and how the origin of Catholicism even started. So we've had like conversations here to there. So side sidebar prayer request for her that she may come with asking more questions and that I may be able to, you know, bring her to church at some point. But you know, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, but yeah, essentially this isn't going to happen overnight. But if you don't allow yourself to have that opportunity to show your new life that you're living, how can the unsaved be exposed to the word of God if they're already not exposed to it at all? And you know, sometimes the thing is, is people aren't consciously thinking about their spiritual faith. They're just, they're not even out, outrageously like, they're not f officially even denying God. It's just the fact that they haven't been exposed to hear about it enough. And that's why as leaders, um, these type of people in your life, you can always look to be that example that they need. Um, in the business world, it's, we can call it your, that foot in the door, you know? This, you could be that first step to helping them understand the true word of God. And for me, I have so many people, because I have so many people in my life asking me about my new Christian life, it's because they notice that my life has become a lot brighter, that I seem to be more faithful to the church. Like whenever people ask me to hang out, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't. I have Wednesday prayer meeting. Or Sundays, they, it's like, oh, I'm free Sundays. Can we do this? I'm like, I can't. I have church. And, and that also in itself leads to them asking about it, asking, oh, you go to church a lot, don't you? And I know in the old faith, like we go Sunday, maybe once. Yeah, one hour. And it's the same thing over and over again. But here, it's we have Wednesday prayer meeting, we have Friday Bible study, we have our two services. And honestly, that's a blessing in itself because it's, it's continual exposure to the word of God and fellowship with one another. And of course, the thing that I think about too, and I'm sure you guys have thought about it too, with your unsaved one, you don't wanna, for lack of better term, shove your faith or shove your religions and beliefs into someone's face because in a way they may deem that as demeaning or like you're like attacking them telling them that they're wrong and one thing that I always learned from I forgot who said this to me but we want to share the word of God with love and that's of course the intent that we want to have when we go into these situations and and instead of showing how to live how to live the life that they are living, we want to show them that we're living our lives in humbleness and in servitude, just as Jesus came and humbled, and just as Jesus came to serve, but he didn't do it in a way that, like, I'm the greatest, you know? And although it can be hard at times, we need to be leaders to those that are unsaved because they're, they don't, it's like one of those things that they don't know what they don't know type of thing. And so that's why we need to be that example to be able to be that um, example to why we are saved, to the spiritual life that we are living because we've been saved. And so my already my last point <laughs> is be leaders of your fellow brothers and sisters. Now, being a leader to your fellow brethren in Christ 
does not require you to have a title as I was mentioning in the beginning, but it can be presented again, once again, in our everyday, day-to-day that we live. Sure, there's certain leadership roles and responsibilities like dictating where we stand as a church on certain doctrines or like certain topics or even event planning for the church. That type of things do fall on certain people of certain positions or a group of people. However, people that aren't in titled positions can be, live, can be leaders um, by doing just everyday tasks or just being coming to church as an example. We can be leaders in ways where we don't need to be called a pastor or a deacon. And it's not easy, especially being that we have a mix of people. We have a mix of people of different backgrounds, mix of people of different generations. We have a mix of people that have different aspects of certain things that are in the real world. And for example, for example, you may see like I'm not wearing my earrings. And on Sunday, I also wasn't wearing my earrings. And I've and I'm probably gonna announce I'm announcing to you guys that I've made a conscious decision to not wear them in the church anymore. And why the change in mind, you ask? Well, it was explained to me in a very loving way, in a very understandable way. That, that helps me understand not just, it's not just a, that, sorry, that the whole earrings things isn't just about my opinion, but the opinion of others around me. And there's three verses that I want to just uh, quickly say to you guys that help convict my heart to come to this decision. Romans 14, 13, that says, let us not therefore judge one another, anymore, but judges rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. 1 Corinthians 8, 9 says, but take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Romans 14, 21, it is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine or anything whereby thy brother stumble or is offended or is made weak. So you can see in all of these verses that the point is to avoid doing things that would essentially hurt your brethren or even hinder them, even if, you, even if you have a justifiable reason to do so. And at the end of the day, it's not just your opinion that's being weighted, but the opinion of how someone else may feel. So I gave my earrings an example and just a little background. For me and my generation, earrings are just a fashion statement. And on top of that, for me, there was a point before I was way before I was saved. There was a point in my life where I had hit my lowest, and I don't know if you know in Asian culture or, or what's whatever culture is sometimes to mark the start of a new chapter, they cut off the hair or they make a change in their life. So for me, having earrings and you knew when you guys first met me, I had my hair dyed at one point, that it was going to be a start of a new a start. There's going to be a start of a new journey for me as a person to become better. And so, you know, that's pretty innocent, and that was my opinion. But, and from what I've heard from previous, uh, one of the visiting pastors too, earrings symbolize things like gangs, or also symbolize things that are like associated with a sinful life. And that's obviously a side that, even though I don't think that, that could make them feel uneasy and make them feel uncomfortable. And honestly, understanding that helped me understand and think about what kind of example would I be to even just kids growing up in the church. Like, I, if, say if I wore earrings and there were young kids, what if Ezra in 10 years wanted to get earrings? I didn't want to put Ezra in that position or put Pastor Sam in that position where they have to conflict about, oh, Kriya J is wearing earrings. Why, why can't I wear it? I don't want that to happen. So 
I wanted to think about what kind of effect would I have on those. It may not be an immediate effect now, but who knows what could happen down the line. And I definitely don't want to be responsible for that. So as a result, I wanted to be a better example within the church, and I wanted to be more aligned with the church preferences. I want to be able to lead by example and be able to be any sort of inspiration of a present-day Christian man living in this generation, even if it means sacrificing of what I may like. Plus, honestly, and realistically, after being, uh, well, I have a new mark of a new life. April 4th, 2021 was the day of my, was the day I announced that I'm a sinner and gave all of my salvation through Jesus Christ. So that's my true, honestly, new, new, new chapter turning. And you see, from what I learned about being a Christian, it's not about doing things that are self-pleasing, but doing things that are self-sacrificing. We should be willing to sacrifice a bit of what we want in order to better serve and lead others in alignment with God's teachings. In Romans 12, three to eight, uh, it's a little long, so I, I will just say it. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth or on exhortation, he that giveth let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that sheweth mercy with cheerfulness. You see, we must do what it takes to lead each other in unity to carry out God's will for ourselves today and for our generations to come. See, you and me, and we all we joke around it all the time, we are all limited by time, but the teachings and the word of God are timeless. And so, in conclusion, I honestly hope that this message um, was a blessing in the sense of you being able to think about how you are currently leading, whether it be on a day-to-day -day basis within your family, or whether it be in a day-to-day -day basis for the church, whatever it may be, I just hope that any words of this message was an inspiration for you to reflect on how maybe how better you can even lead as an individual. And honestly, like whatever we do, just remember, as nervous as you are, you're doing it all for the glory of God. Amen. Right now, I'm standing up here very nervous. My legs feel like jello, but at the end of the day, I don't, I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it because God wants us to remember to be leaders. So lead your families, lead your unsaved ones, and lead your brethren to Christ. You don't need a position to have conviction. Let us pray. Oh, gracious God, we just thank you once again for this short message, but just pray that this message was able to reach the hearts of all those that are listening. Lord, just continue to be with us and guide us to lead, the, to lead, the, your, church, to lead your church and to lead our families to you, Lord. We also have, continue to pray for our unsaved loved ones that have yet um, to hear your word. Just please use us as that vessel to expose them to your word and your truth 
so that they may one day choose you to follow your leadership, Lord. We just thank you for today's fellowship as well, and we just pray that you continue to protect us in all that we do today. We thank you for all the blessings that you've given to us, and we praise you for the love that you've shown us. We pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.